Keeping It With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is brought to you by TKM Incorporated. This company located in Moss, Tennessee, specializes in erosion control, hydro-seeding, hydro-mulch, silt fence. They do minor excavation work, and they also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their mission is keeping people safe. Their passion is wishing that all men could be saved. TKM stands for The King's Men. If you'd like to contact The King's Men, you can contact them at 931-243-3958, 931-243-3958, or you may email them at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. The King's Men, in partnership with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. SJL General Contractor is a full construction company that primarily focuses on civil construction and asphalt sales in the Huntsville and Fayetteville regions. Services they provide include, but are not limited to, road construction, asphalt material, underground utilities, site work, and demolition. They employ heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, pipe layers, and CDL dump truck drivers. If you would like for this company to work for you on your project, or if you'd like to work for them as an employee of this family-owned business, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. Or three W's and a dot, sjnl.com. That's www.sjnl.com. SJNL General Contractor is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones. Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. In March of 1986, I was the new minister in town. Technically, I was the newest youth minister in town, and I had moved here from Salem, Arkansas. I was 22 years old when my U-Haul truck arrived and we unloaded it. I turned 23 nine days later. The minister that was at the congregation that I had been hired to work with had been there 27 years. He'd been at this place longer than I'd been alive. He was a venerated and venerable senior minister. And I'd been hired onto the staff to work with this old gentleman. Now, they were looking for a guy to replace him. And my dear friend Tim Orberson would move here in June of that same year, but this is even before Tim came to town. So I'm this bright, shiny new youth minister. The ink is barely dry on my wedding certificate, and I've moved my young bride to a town of 200,000 people from a town of 1,700 people. At my age now, I really, I, I really appreciate the differences in our ages back then. I remember one Sunday morning, uh, Tim was out of town and I was out of town and Brother Davidson came back into the pulpit and he got up to speak and his opening remark was, well, the boys are out of town today. (laughs) I guess when I heard that on the recording, I might have had my feelings hurt. But when you consider that this gentleman had been preaching longer than I'd been alive and he had grown children older than me, I I could see how he would just consider me just another one of the boys in his life. 
uh, one Sunday morning I got to preach and I got a little carried away with my preparation and I, I preached a little over time and JC got up to make the closing announcements and he says, well, brother Lonzo, in order for a sermon to be immortal, it does not need to be eternal. <laughs> and I'm sitting at the office one morning and Brother J.C. Davison in his deep baritone voice would come down the hall. Lonnie, my boy, let's go get some coffee. I was ashamed to tell the man that at my tender age of 23 years old, I did not drink coffee. I drank Diet Cokes. But he wanted me to go out and go get some coffee, and we drive down <laughs> to this ramshackle-looking building on North Parkway. And this is before there were overpasses on the parkway. And this this little storefront with a sign out front called Corman's Bakery. Uh, Corman's Bakery had been reported to be uh, have signs out front that would say things like, Eat at Corman's, 10,000 flies cannot be wrong. Or uh, he was right across the street from the, from the funeral home, and it was Eat at Corman's, and be prepared to go across the street. So we walk into this old donut coffee breakfast shop thing. We walk in, there's a, a low counter with some stools and then there's tables and booths. And we go to a booth in the corner and there's a sign over the booth that says liar's table. Brother Davidson walked in, grabbed the sign, flipped it around, and in handwritten letters it said preachers. And so we turned the liar's table into the preacher's table. And me being young and not having to worry about such things in those days, I ordered some donuts and a chocolate milk. JC ordered some kind of a bagel or something and some coffee. And we're sitting there and just kind of getting to know each other and talking. And, and all of a sudden, JC just yells uncharacteristically to this kind, gentle man with this baritone voice. He yells, Corman, Corman, I need some more coffee. And I was a little taken aback by what seemed to me the rudeness of the thing. Well, out of the metal swinging doors comes this gentleman who's a step away from being a zombie. I have no idea how old this dude was. And, and he's walking, and, and the walk that he's doing, Tim Conway's Mr. Tudball would run circles around this dude. He's in a white uniform with a white apron. He's got a white paper cap on, and he's got one of those silver metal coffee pots, the, the, the round kind. And, and he's holding it in one hand, and, and he's shaking. And I don't know if he's shaking from, from some kind of disease or just the fact that he's that old and that weak. And here he comes shuffling across the floor, and this coffee pot is wiggling. I don't know how. It, it's unbelievable how he kept a grip on the thing. And I'm thinking to myself, there is no way this ends good. There's, you know, he better pull that cup across the table to try to pour. He's going to, and he gets up to the, to the table and he reaches across me to pour coffee across the table for Brother Davison and he drops this coffee pot. Now I'd like to admit right now that I still had my cat-like reflexes. I still pretended to be Spider-Man on some occasions and I moved from a seated position in this bench to crouching in the windowsill with my arms pressed inside to get away from that coffee. I don't know 
uh, how I move that fast. I can't move that fast now. I couldn't move that fast actually then. But something in my self-preservation caused me to get in gear and, and get up there. Well, J.C. Davison is, is laughing so hard he is crying. He's bowing his head on the table. He leans his head back and is giving a Jerry Clower. Oh! And he's wiping his eyes. Corman's panging on the table. The coffee pot's empty. And they drop it on everybody that comes in the first time they're there. Well, I'm their victim, and he's dropped this coffee pot in my lap. <laughs> and I'll have to say, it was a pretty good prank. I I've seen him do things. Coach Dugan was in there one time with a bunch of basketball players. And Corman comes out of the back, and he's got a funnel stuck in his trousers. He's holding his head back, and he's got a quarter pinned to his head. He moves his hand and dips his head to try to make the quarter fall into the funnel, and, and it misses. And he, he'll stomp and cuss and pick the quarter up, and he's walking around the lobby of this donut place trying to drop this quarter into this funnel. And finally, one of the young basketball players said, Hey, dude, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to get this blankety blank quarter to fall in this funnel. Well, the young man says, Give it here. He grabs the funnel from Coleman, sticks the funnel into the front of his shorts, leans his head back, and when he leans his head back, Coleman reaches and grabs a, a, a pitcher of ice water and pours it in the funnel down the young man's shorts. That's the kind of character that was running and working at Coleman's bakery. He had some kind of a weird trap in this box that was covered in mesh, but, but also uh, had some cloth over it. He said it was his mongoose cage. And, of course, if you mess with the mongoose cage, there's a spring-loaded door that pops out and throws this fur tail at you. And I've seen that place cleared out when the mongoose got loose. So, so, so Corman treats his customers with this kind of uh, disrespect, but this gentle teasing. Uh, since he dropped the coffee pot in my lap, I would call him every April Fool's Day. And he would answer the phone, Corn's Bakery. And I would say, yes, uh, I'm wondering, do you have chicken legs? And he would say, yes, we do. And then I would say, well, how do you sit down? And he would start cussing and I would hang up. And I called him every year on April Fool's Day till he went out of business until he died and asked him if he had chicken legs to pay him back for my coffee fiasco. <laughs> Isn't it funny how an empty threat and that was it. I saw the coffee pot. I saw the metal coffee pot. I used coffee pots like that when I worked at Hardy's. And as he walked across, I saw the coffee pot and I superimposed, number one, that the, the container in and of itself was hot. And I believed that it contained a volatile hot liquid and I really believe this old man was not sufficient to be carrying such toxic material and approaching my table. But because I believed it was scalding hot and because I believed it was full, when he dropped it on that table, I got in the windowsill. I responded to a fear, and it wasn't supposed to be a fear at all. Literally, this burning liquid in this hot container that I thought was dangerous was just an empty threat. I wonder how many empty threats control our lives and make us react 
or make us act irrationally or make us act irresponsibly. You know, there's all kinds of things that we, we are afraid of not being popular. Our success not looking like somebody else's success. Our kids not measuring up to other people's kids. Our marriage not measuring up to other people's marriages. Our spirituality not looking like somebody else's. And, and, and we end up reacting. We end up overreacting. We end up doing things that make us look absolutely foolish. And it's all because we've responded to an empty threat. Courage is not not being afraid. If you've never been afraid, you've just never done much. If you've never been afraid, you've you've never been outside very long. Uh, someone who tells you that they are afraid of nothing is not a mentally stable person. Truly courageous people understand the, the danger and intentionally expose themselves to it using risk management, using training, using professionalism, using some kind of inoculation that says, I don't let my fear control me. I control how I respond to my fear. And and, and really, that's it. it. It's I don't think it's rational to say that I can live in such a way that nothing scares me. But it really depends on whether or not you let the thing that scares you control your response, or if you admit, okay, I'm afraid, but this job has to be done, this task has to be performed, I've got to fulfill this commitment. And just because fear is present doesn't mean I get to be absent. I think so many times our kids are struggling with anxiety, and the anxiety is about not being accepted or not being liked or not being included or not measuring up. We're not good enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not pretty enough. So I think sometimes our kids are overwhelmed by anxiety simply because they have this overwhelming feeling that they're just not enough. And in order to be accepted and in order to be liked, they do ridiculous things. They cave into peer pressure. Look at the things that are on TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat that people are doing just so they'll get views and just so they'll get likes. And the threat of not being liked or not being included or not being successful. Well, how is that really a threat? You see, if you live with an internal locus of control, if you live with an internal set of values that says, this is what success is. This is what spirituality is. I have a, a measure of success that says I please God first. And, and in my personal mantra, my number one responsibility on this planet is to God. My number one responsibility to God is my family. And, and everybody else really just gets to take a number. Well, to a lot of people, that doesn't sound like or look like success. Well, they don't get to vote. But if we live our lives responding to these perceptions of failure, if we live our lives reacting to what happens when the world approaches us and drops this thing in our lap, in the end, 
being successful according to the world, being popular according to the world, being powerful according to the world. If we live our lives reacting to those things when, when the world shows up and drops it in our lap, if you look back on your life and realize you've been controlled by your reaction to those things, you may realize you've only responded. You've reacted, you overreacted, and you've been controlled. Controlled. But not just controlled, but manipulated. I was manipulated and controlled by a threat, and, and it was it was an empty threat. It was an empty coffee pot. And to add insult to injury, I knew that when I walked into the store and we sat down at the booth, the table that we sat at was the liar's table. Zach Williams sings these words. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful and that you'll never be enough, when he told you you were troubled, you'll forever be alone. When he told you you should run away, you'll never find a home. When he told you you were dirty and that you should forever be ashamed. When he told you you could be the one that grace could never change. Well, fear. He is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar. He will rob your rest, steal your happiness, cast your fear into the fire because fear, he is a liar. And I will add that his threats are empty. Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. I am your host, Lonnie Jones. My wife Jackie and I moved to the city of Huntsville in 1986 for me to be a youth and family minister. I have been a minister since 1980. I have served in this community as a police chaplain assigned to a SWAT team since 1992. And I've been in private practice as a licensed professional counselor since 1998. I'm also an adventure educator and an avid outdoorsman. I dabble in rock climbing and I goof around with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Our life has been full of many wonderful experiences and some just outright adventures. I used to write about those things in a little church bulletin article. So now instead of asking you to read those things, we're just going to talk about them in our podcast. And as we talk about them, we're going to talk about the facts. The facts lead to concepts, and the concepts lead to application. One caveat about the facts is, for the most part, we're going to tell you the facts just as they happened. But every now and then, we're going to tell you the way other people have told us they remember it happening with a little bit of embellishment. It's all good, clean, fun, and for educational purposes. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy Keeping Up with Jones.